Hey everyone, welcome to Untucked. Uh, during this episode, we're going to talk about kind of markets, stock markets, bond markets, where they are now. We are going to discuss what you should wear when you fly, and then we're going to talk about short shaming. Um, this episode was recorded prior to the Sixers exit from the Eastern Conference second round. So forgive us for the delayed Sixers content. Otherwise, hope you enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 66 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. And this is Jeff. I know you guys aren't going to like this one. Specifically, Mike <laughs> isn't going to like Because there's really, like, there's no, like, like solid evidence. Yeah. I mean, there's evidence, but there's just no reason. Like, children, did you guys know that children grow more during the spring and early summer? Did not know. Um... I mean, it's kind of interesting. Give me more. They, like, they, it is not. It's not attributed to climate. It's not attributed to temperature. Like they were, they were even able to rule that out. And their thinking is again, they can't, they, they can't positively identify why, but they think it's because of like the longer days, which would make sense, right? Kids are up, running around more. They're more active. They're isn't probably that, eating more. Isn't that climate that you just described? No, it's just a you longer they don't day. Attribute climate, climate, meaning like cold versus hot. <laughs> Is daylight savings climate? <laughs> I guess it was implemented because of climate. Yeah. Right? Just more activity, right? That's my thinking. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Mike's trying lying. so hard. <laughs> Good one. I don't really feel like talking about the Sixers. Oh, my God. I, forgot. Uh, I thought I, we were going right into the articles. No, <laughs> no I can't wait because if we go back a few episodes. Oh, stop. You're the said, worst. hey, 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 calm down, calm down, and here we are. Who was it that said calm down? I did. Okay. Oh, like don't get you too high. You guys were both Okay. I mean, up. you were not predicting that Joel Embiid would break his face, also rupture a tendon in his thumb, and get concussed. I did. Didn't I not say that? What if he gets hurt? Maybe I thought that and didn't mm -mm. say it. But I don't anyway, think we have that anyway. on the tapes. I'm not. I'm not happy that they're about to get bounced. Trust me, I'm not <laughs> saying that. But I mean, I'm still hype. I'm not saying like it's over. It's probably going to a game seven, though, right? Yeah. You That's would, the you best case scenario. <laughs> and they just lost by 35 points in Miami, right? What was yeah. the final? Because I took the over and the Sixers to win, and I parlayed them. So I obviously. Lost. Lost all three of those bets. Thank you, Ike Reese. Please at Ike Reese on this podcast because he's the one that said. 45? 15 and 20 is 35. Wow. Yeah. What oh, the, the total, total number 120 to 85. What was yeah, the over? Like 209, mm. 206, something like that. Mm -hmm. I knew they both had to get into like the hundreds or we had to lose like 150 to like 80. It's pretty close. Yeah. So quick diagnosis. They just don't have what? We thought they had, or is it like a hardened issue, or is it? A, nope. What is it? Or they're just not, Miami's just really good. Nope. Nope. No. No. Nope. None of those. Okay. They're not deep enough. That's fair. No one's played well at home. No one's won an away game. 
I mean, Miami's won three in Miami. Philly's won two in Philly. Uh, to me, uh, that's mattered a lot. Tyler Hero was irrelevant in Philly. He was. He's been awesome in Miami. Um. So, on the home field, home ice, home court, why is it so pronounced in basketball? I think sight lines and reps. You play in your gym yeah. so much more. I th- I mean, I, I don't know it what else it like could be. That sport more than any other has a dominant home field advantage. Maybe and yeah, football, so- we know what it is. It's the crowd and you know, all that with, with when you're on sure. defense, let's say. But it might have something to do with how close the fans are. Like baseball or basketball, I mean, you're on top of them. Like but isn't can- that everywhere? Is it? Does it have to do with you know you're not in a, a, a visit an away city in a hotel and you're kind of like in your own your own pad and it's easy maybe, to, maybe. I I, th- I mean I, JJ Reddick talked about it and he talked about just like the unfamiliarity with the gym the baskets and I mean again I don't want to Tyler Hero is like his job is to make jump shots like. He is a very, very good outside shooter. He gets to the basket. He facilitates. He does other things well, but he practices in that gym 80% of the season and then goes to, you know, away gyms the other 20% of the time. And I I think that's a big, I think that's a big influence, at least for outside shooters. Maybe it's a little different for the Joel Embiid's of the world, but. Why does he, does he get in the paint and score? Because he wasn't doing any of that last night. I'm not talking about last night specifically. No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm angry at how inconsistent they play. Like you That's have fair. a game five situation on the road for I the mean, series, pretty much. Like you can yeah. you can take this and then go home and close it out, and they don't even show up. And you can only put so much of that on Doc. Mm-hmm. There is a there's a big percentage of that that go that lands on these players, man. Like yeah. how do you how do you go down twelve in the first quarter? Come on. Mm-hmm. And I love Joel. Don't get me wrong. But he still has a little, I think he's got a little bit more maturing to do where he still gets like, he's big and tough when the, when he plays well, and he's sad and mopey in big moments when he's not performing. Like, dude, stop with the moping. It just drives me freaking crazy. I couldn't disagree. I think his, and his energy just... It matters so much to the rest of the team. I mean, he carries them, obviously, with his play, but also just his his emotions, good and bad, because he goes down, they go down. Um, he's up, they're, they're playing up. And, I mean, that's kind of been evident as long as he's been a sixer, at least as long as he's been as dominant as he has. Um, so it's, it's very frustrating to watch. I don't sure. see anyone on the sixers. And maybe I'm just not looking close enough or paying as much attention. Kyle Lowry's on the bench for the Heat, and he is hype. Yeah, he's yelling at the players on the court. He's talking to people. When 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 the Sixers when they call timeout and they go in a huddle, there's no I don't see anybody like with some fire, like yeah. going up to each other or or each man and like getting them hype, building up their confidence. I don't see anyone doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem, but it, it, I think it all boils down to they just – they don't have the bench. Yeah. George Niang is not an answer for your bench player, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Neither is Shake Milton. Neither right. is uh, Matisse Thiel. Like, they are not the answer. Yeah. 
and Miami brings in the sixth man of the year. Like, it's just, if Maxi, Harden, and Embiid don't play well, they lose. Because Tobias Harris isn't stepping up. Mm. One one in every five games he steps up. Mm -hmm. I'm hot, sorry. I'm, like, really disappointed. It was a disappointing game. The lack of depth. I mean, that's that's like a must-have in any sport if sure. you want to succeed, right? Especially so, in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And, hey, it was known that they were missing that – that, that that was a flaw in their, in uh-huh. their team, right? So Yeah, I, I wouldn't say the outcome has been surprising. I think what's made it so obvious is obviously Joel's state because all year – and I'm not saying without exception, but most of this year he hid how bad the bench was because he was so good, Yeah. right? So you could get away with George Niang coming off the bench and Shake Milton coming off the bench and Matisse Thibel being the worst offensive player in the league coming off the bench because you had an MVP caliber, caliber guy who's having a career season and who just made it okay. And now he's a broken face of you know, torn tendon. He's probably still concussed. <laughs> and he's trying to just drag this team through the series where ultimately they don't get through the next opponent. So it's like... Why? For what? For who? For what? Like, to get hit in the face again? Yeah, I mean, when he go. got hit in the face yesterday, it was on the ground writhing in pain. Like, Giannis is going to eat him up if, if it's Milwaukee. And Boston's just too deep. Like, they're just going to roll us. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, as much as I want them to get past the second round, so it's like, all right, we finally got past the second round. Sure. They're going to get their asses kicked in the next yeah. series. I just cannot. They did this against the, in the Raptors, man. They had a game. I forget which game it was where they just – I think it was game – Probably five. Six. Six. Where they're like, we're not going – we don't want to go back to Philly. Yeah, it was game six when they won, when they closed it out. No, wait, they were – No, they – they, they lost 3-0. in game seven to they the lost. Raptors. They lost. The Kawhi year? Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm talking this, this, this year. Oh, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Six. Yeah, 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 yeah. They closed it out in Toronto. Yes, because they didn't want to go back to Philly. Game I'm sorry. Five, <clears throat> it was embarrassing. Yeah. Here we are again, another game five. Embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Which means they'll probably win tomorrow because they have something to prove. They can't come. You can't. You can't put the performance out in front of your home crowd that you just did. Yeah. Ugh. Great draft though by the birds, huh? Did we already do we already do the draft? I don't know. I don't know anything about the draft. I have not paid attention. <laughs> There's some really big dude, that's all I know. Yeah, oh, the yeah. kid from Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah. Then they get two kids from Georgia? Yeah. And the one kid's like six eight, two I'm sorry, three like fifty. Yikes. Yeah, so he's like a total monster. And I'm like, I'm saying draft, but I mean like A.J. Brown. A.J. Like, Brown, yeah. Holy crap. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, pretty decent targets. <laughs> um, is the schedule out yet? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Anything good? Vikings Monday night game, I, I believe, yeah, mm. in September. Okay. Yeah. Nothing super exciting though, Meg. Yeah, like, who really cares about the Vikings? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Phil's? Yeesh. Yeesh. I think they're 13 and 16. Ooh. Not faring well for my over bet that I had for them winning this season. 
Oh, well, you still have a million games to yeah. see if that's going to so pan out. 85 and a half was the over-under on their wins. And you took the over. Of course I took the over. <laughs> and I think every over bet I've taken in my in my career as, as a professional better, I've lost. <laughs> like I'm like the, like the supreme optimist. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. When it's like not really your personality, generally. <laughs> um, you know, they got bats. They have like three of the best hitters in the league. They, their pitching is good. It's just not, I think it'll all work out because it's just the timing hasn't been good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they'll score nine runs. Nola will pitch six scoreless innings. And then that just happens to be a game where like the bullpen doesn't hold it together and they lose two nothing. Um, I think they'll be fine. I think my, I still like my over. Okay. Even, even though they're three games below 500. How much of the Phils have you guys been watching? Zero. Zero. Haven't haven't seen an inning. Have, I don't think I've even seen a pitch. Neither one of you have, have even watched like half an inning? No, and I, I would even say I haven't checked the standings or oh, anything no. like that. Because you say they're 13 and 16. I You could have said they're, they're 22 and 9. I would have been like, oh, okay, whatever. So the Mets are like... <laughs> The favorites in our division right now, like they're okay. they're 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 playing really well, and we I think we've had three series against them already, and like we haven't won one of them, but you guys are familiar. Like the the Phillies were up seven to one, going into the first game of like the last series we played them. Okay, seven to one going into the top of the ninth. Oh no. So teams that are trailing by six or more runs going into the top of the ninth, so the Mets, teams that are trailing by six or more runs going into the top of the ninth are 0 and 330. Until the Phillies. Yep. They now lost. They're, they're one in, now, now the record's 1 and 330. Yeah. They gave up eight runs in the top of the ninth. I'm sorry, seven runs. So they were trailing 8 to 7. And they didn't score in the bottom. Of the Do you give up on them? Like, at what point would you give up? Not watch them anymore. Well, as soon as I lose my bet, as soon as mathematically I've lost my bet. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I mathematically lost, what was it? Eighty-five and a half, eighty-nine, eighty-five and a half. So maybe eighty-five, and that seven to one loss. Like, oh my god! Oh man, I'll be a killer. <laughs> yeah, I need eighty-six wins out of them, and then I, and then my bet pays off. What did you bet? Of 50 whole dollars, Meg, for a payout of like 94. <laughs> Eight months from now. Yeah. It's a long way to wait for $45. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Do, I mean, do you want to even touch the Flyers? There's nothing no, to they, touch. No, the draft lottery was, was yesterday. Not okay. the actual draft, but the ping pong Ping pongs? How'd it go? Hoff, horrible. I was probably one of eight people in the Delaware Valley that watched it on TV. You actually but, watched, yeah, yeah. They like got to see them pull the ping pong balls, yeah, or the whatever however they do it. They got the fifth overall pick, okay, which is exactly where they like were supposed to land, okay. And all the Flyers fans are pissed off. Like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> Me being one of them. Like, what couldn't they get the number? One? Like, they had a nine percent chance of getting it. What, what? But they still had a chance. Uh, so you're saying. <laughs> So, but yeah, nothing else right. going on. Other how's than the how's the draft class look? Um, he probably always hard knows. to say. Always, <laughs> it is always hard to say. It's it it's looking like it's not particularly deep. 
but anytime you're, you're talking about 18 year old kids you're, you're gonna right. there's gonna end up being studs who come out of it that nobody knows are a stud yet so you never know i know you know the answer to this question so i'll ask it who are the flyers going to take with the fifth pick in the draft my prediction is matt savoy uh centerman scores a lot smallish where's he from um where is he from he's canadian he's playing in the um, g league juniors but um he's it's funny i know some of these guys only because this draft class is like will's birth year so he follows all these guys and he watches the highlights and so i kind of hear about him through him but um savoy all right yeah Keep an eye on yeah. Matt Go Savoy. back to the tapes after the draft. Yeah. <laughs> We've never once gone back to the tapes. No. That I've I don't even know how to go back to the tapes. <laughs> Mike, you want to kick off Coach's Corner? Yeah, so Corner? Coach's Corner, you know, usually we find an article that's topical or relevant. Some weeks we have a tough time finding anything that's, like, interesting going on or being written about. But we figured for Coach's Corner, the, the topic du jour is obviously, you know, pretty much all asset classes are down pretty significantly this year. Um, inflation's up, interest rates up, um, the markets are down. So, you know, in that context, we thought we would just talk about that in general. Um, I, I'll start off by saying that, you know, so just without getting into like stats, because I don't, I hate the granular stat stuff, but, you know, stocks are down anywhere from, you know, 10% to 25%, depending on what type they are. Stock indexes, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, bonds are down 10% roughly. So it's been a pretty ugly start to the year, and it's unusual because usually bonds are the place where cash goes when it's leaving stocks, the safe haven thing. But unusual series of kind of events where interest rates have gone up so quickly that bonds have gone down temporarily. So, um, But I think the story here is that there are so many individual companies, individual stocks that are down hugely, like 50, 60, 70. I mean, Netflix down 75 percent, you know, as, as an example, that it's a good reminder that this is the kind of pain that can happen to you if you um, if you are a stock picker or if you if you're somebody who likes to put together a portfolio of companies instead of buying diversified indices, you, you know, it's devastating to three months ago you've, if you had a lot of your money in say netflix you're down 75 percent, which is is that what it's down here today yeah and that's just what i mean shopify is like 90 percent. i mean some of these companies are just i mean all the all the pandemic the Winners. zooms the pelotons the, those are, are are absolutely annihilated um and if you happen to be somebody who bought it near the high let's say last year um you're you're not happy so I think, again, back to my point, it's a good, good reminder as to what can, really, what can really devastate you if you're trying to pick stocks. And um, I think the other side of that coin, which we talked before about, is that if you're a stock picker and you happen to not own the right ones, you will trail the indices over time. Like if you don't own the home run Grand Slam companies because you didn't pick them, you're going um, you're, you're gonna to lose to broad market indices. And those are the two sides of that coin that I think are really important to, to remember. Um, and the S&P 500 will absolutely get back to its high and then some, who knows when or how long, but it will. But 
Netflix, Shopify, any individual company getting back to where it was, it's like a whole bets are off. There's no, there's no reason it should ever have to get back to that valuation, which looking back now was, was, were kind of insane to begin with. Um, because when the, when the circumstances change quickly like they did, inflation shows up, rates are up, governments around the world are doing stupid things, whether it's Eastern Europe or China or this country. And people bail on high, highly valued companies. This is what happens. So um, anyway, that's my, that's my two cents on where we are. I'm very bullish on Netflix right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even say that with a straight face. So your biggest takeaway in like from, from, from what's happening now is this is the, the warning of if you're buying individual stocks, you can really pay the price. Yeah, and I think that if you're somebody who has a, you're diversified and you own the markets, and maybe you're you're upset because you're you're down fifteen percent this year or whatever the number is, under the hood, it's way way worse for people who are speculating or concentrating in some of these tech companies or, um, you know, the the, the high flyers that have you know, carried the water for the past two or three years have just given it all back and then then some. So that's that's my take. That's my main takeaway. I have a couple others, but go ahead. I'm just looking Turner. I mean, as you're talking, I'm like looking at Netflix and it's kind of crazy because it's been a it's been a great stock for a really long time. Right. Yeah. But when you go back to the last five years, like it was trading at one hundred and eighty one five years ago. It's one sixty seven right now. Like it hasn't moved because of what's happened, re specifically mm -hmm. because of what's happened recently, this year. Um, that's pretty crazy, man. I didn't realize Netflix was off that much. And I think the other thing that's interesting when you look at, again, um, I saw a table of somebody put together, like all the times where the S&P has declined 5% from it's where it was. So these 5% hits, which is nothing. And it's happened, I don't know, it looks like it's happened 25 times since 2009. But the duration of the number of days it's taken for it to get back to where it came from is incredibly short until now. This is 125 days. And if you go just go down the list, it's like 30, 16, whatever. Even COVID was 33 days. That's crazy. 33 wow, days yeah. to get back. It was down 30 plus percent and it got back. I mean, it's snapped back so quickly. And, you know, this how long it takes is who knows. Mm -hmm. This could take a long time. It could you know, could be by the end of the year, who knows? And how steep it is, is the same thing, who knows? But what you do know is it's gonna get back and it's gonna, there will be all time highs again, probably before we know it. But um, it's, it's interesting just to look at the context over the past decade or 12 years and just how relatively easy it's been in terms of not having to endure much pain for very long, so. We could be, could be in a different environment now. But. You, th you think you think we might be due? Like we might be kind of near the bottom of this? Uh, there's no way I would ever answer that question because <laughs> I, th I would say anyone who says that they have confidence in that answer is just making it up. Don't we have proof that? <laughs> don't isn't your markets in turmoil? Oh, piece? well, that, like proof that yeah. it's a hundred percent accurate. Well, so this is kind of funny. CNBC runs their panicky markets in turmoil segment <clears throat> anytime there's a like a decline and somebody put together the thing going back all the way to 2010 how many times they aired the segment 
And as you can imagine, during COVID, it was like every day, um, 2011, 2010, 2015. So, so anytime there's like a drop and of course they quote Dow points, but they run this thing over a hundred times. They've run this segment and since, since 2010, since 2010. Okay. And this guy just looked at what was the one year return on stocks since the, the, the segment ran it's. 100 is batting a thousand percent every single time the markets are up a year later um every single time like without exception so it's it, like it's it, kind of crazy it doesn't seem that surprising to me because if the markets have gotten to a point where cnbc is running their segment called markets in turmoil mm-hmm. it means it's off by a lot right it's not off two percent it's not off five percent it's probably off a lot which means if you're probably near a, a bottom and a year later, which is a long time, 365 days, like there's probably a good chance it's going to be higher than it was at that moment when they ran that segment. Yeah. And according to this, you're 100% going to be right if you don't bail. And if you don't listen to CNBC. If you don't listen to what they're telling you, which is <laughs> <laughs> depression's coming and whatever else. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's an unbelievable opportunity. I mean, like we have these moments and we have the technology where you can invest money pretty easily at these points. And it's like, you know, everybody has access now on their phone and on their computer to really quickly see what their holdings or their or their or, or other investments are down year to date or in the last one year or three years or five years and say, wow, that's awful lot. And if it's if you want to be speculative enough and say, well, I, I, I think for whatever reason, Netflix is not going anywhere. What an awesome time to buy Netflix. It's off 75%. Yeah, it could go to zero. Might get gobbled up by somebody else and it may, not, it may not be worth anything. But if you look at like small cap growth indexes, I mean, they're off 30%. And it's easy to kind of filter that. Like any novice can go to Yahoo Finance and filter this kind of stuff. So I see it as a an awesome opportunity to invest and to buy more. Yeah, but I, I think there's a big difference between investing in an index fund and picking an individual company because one of the things that these times do is they kill off businesses that never should have existed or that had a bad business model or had too much money thrown at them and the valuation was stupid. Um, so, but, so like, I don't know that Netflix will ever get back to where it was, ever. I don't know. It doesn't have to. Um, but the S&P will. Yeah, for sure. Because it'll be comprised of new companies. Yep. There'll, there'll be new yep. uh, new members in that index that aren't aren't the, the shitty companies that are going to zero. Um, that's part of the process of what we're doing, which is killing off bad businesses. And no, that's it's a, it's a great That's a great point, dude. I mean, the S&P will get back to where it was and above that. And there's no guarantee that any one of the companies in it that are down significantly will because they'll be replaced by new mm-hmm. companies. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think that's the kind of information that's helpful right from our side of the table when we have clients or question, you know, clients concerned about where things are or questions about what should we be doing, right? It's obviously very easy to say, oh, it's an awesome buying opportunity, but convincing people to add more money to, right, a market that's experiencing what we're experiencing now is, is rather difficult. So you know, step one is making sure that we don't make emotional decisions to change, right, or to bail on the plan. Um, so we have the opportunity to to possibly add more as, as something to exploit. 
Um, here we have the ability to take advantage of volatility with tax loss harvesting, right? Improving efficiencies within the portfolio. Um, what else should people be doing? Just not looking at statements and turning off the TV? I literally gave that <laughs> advice to a client yesterday. Mm-hmm. I forget kind of what the context of it, but they were just talking about how bad it is. And, you know, every time I turn on the TV and they tell, and like they're just talking about how bad it is, I go, Dude, the, literally, I said, the best advice I can give you is like, stop watching TV. Stop watching the news specifically. Stop watching CNBC. Because it's not, I mean, it, it is different this time in the, in the standpoint of something different is making the market go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's only going to be for a short period of time. And that short period of time has nothing to do with the rest of your investing life. Like, I don't care about the next three months or six months or 12 months because you're still going to be here 48 months from now, 120 months from now. Like you're still going to be here. So this, the reason why it's down in this next short period of time means nothing to me. As long as you have a, a plan to deal with whatever needs, financial needs you have in this short period of time without having to do something that's going to kind of hurt you long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we always say, I mean, 18 months, 24 months of of cash needs is what you should always have lying around if mm-hmm. you can because you know the the recovery period is very very rarely longer than that um and almost always way shorter than that uh, i mean i mean i had a conversation with a client yesterday about like man what if this takes like six years for this to get back i'm like i can't predict the future it probably won't though Especially this example. I mean, they're a retired client, so they have 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. Like the odds of a 60-40 portfolio taking six years to recover, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty low. Like it's not, that's not going to happen. It's going to recover faster than that. Um, and even in this client, like they even had like six years worth of the income they need in cash. Like it doesn't matter. What's happening now doesn't matter. And what's crazy is we're going to look back on this three months or three years or two years or one year from now, and all the all the stats are going to be the same, right? Like it's going to be, it's going to recover. It's going to take something like 18 months. Um, all these little facts and figures that and stats that you don't like, are, they're probably going to work out and we're going to get through it. The S&P is going to be higher. It's just hard when you're in the moment, especially when um, you're looking at your statements and you have the ability to kind of see this stuff. It's hard, man. Yeah. And the, and the, um, the 16 or whatever percent that we're down from the high, which again is just such an arbitrary stat, but it's one that's used all the time is exactly average. Like in a, in a given year, it's exactly the average intra year decline. Um, and yet we know that most of those years, the market ends up up, um, so to say to somebody like, hey, where we are right now, four or five months into the year is exactly average. So now the, the bond piece is not average, but that's sure. a whole separate issue. Um, that's the fact. And could it get worse? And might it get worse? Sure. But to your point, Jeff and Megan, just it's being if unless you have zero cash and you have to sell your stuff to pay for bills, then yeah. you should be OK. What I find interesting about what we're going through now, and I saw an article by Ben Carlson, um, and this was written a long time ago, but 
some of the back testing he did, stocks and bonds are both down this year. And that's on it just it's so rare. Like the 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 that happening, his research showed that on an annual basis, like a year to year basis, um, from nineteen twenty eight to twenty thirteen, um, that only happened like four percent of the time. And then he broke it down quarterly and it only happened like on 14 in 14 quarters, which I don't even know what that percentage is, but it's, it never happens. And it just so happens that that's happening now, which sucks. Yeah. And I think people's, a lot of people's temptation is to say, yeah, 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 I get all that. But this time it's different because what's going on in, you know, with Russia, Ukraine, the Chinese locking down everything, the, um, the, the, the money, you know, printing that stuff that's gone out gone on um, since, well, forever. Let's not say since COVID, but all of the things that people point to as the cause of what's happening now, that's all different. It's never happened before. So therefore, this is going to be, you know, historical stuff doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it does. It does. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, it doesn't mean that we're going to be able to be more predictive about how long it's going to take or how deep the pain's going to be. But we know that prosperity and good things happen every day when people get up and go to work and produce stuff. And that those things are all invisible. What's visible is, is the news and the, the, the war and all the stuff. But the invisible stuff, which is actually creating value every single day, adds up to what's going to end up propelling stocks higher for the rest of our lives the example of of what happened in march of 2020 while it you know recovered so quickly it's still recent enough to be able to remind people like do you remember how you felt then right there was a pandemic the world was shutting down i mean not to say that what's going on the conflict in russia and ukraine is insignificant or the things we're dealing with here are not significant but it's recent enough that they can remember how they felt then. And that's what I've kind of been trying to remind people of is like, we didn't know up from down then. We had no idea how the country, companies, the market, the economy, the world was going to deal with this. And we did. Now, does it, has it led to other, right, issues and concerns? Sure. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but... I, I, I'm I'm not thankful for any of that, but I think it being recent enough has allowed people maybe to take a beat and remember that it wasn't so long ago that we were dealing with a very, very uncertain and scary time that ultimately at the end of it meant they had more money than they had beforehand. Yep. Um, and to Mike's point, like, yes, this will cool off. Right? You're not going to be paying $8 a gallon for gas 12 months from now. It's probably going to go back down. People seem to forget that they got a 6% raise in Social Security this year. I mean, that maybe mm-hmm. that will continue. Like It'll all figure itself out, and prosperity like will survive and continue. It's just you got to get through this freaking painful part right now. Yeah, and anyone who has a pessimistic bone in their body feels like the smartest guy in the room right now, yep. right? Because everything looks bleak. So it's hard to to get people out of that space if they're naturally inclined to kind yeah. of be there. As they read their 
gold newsletter that they've been subscribing to <laughs> since 2009. <laughs> but it's all framing. Like I had a meeting this morning and I just showed the client first, like, hey, this is year to date, man. It's ugly. It's like, my gosh, like down 17%. Like that's a lot of wealth gone. Look at the number. I'm like, yeah, but I can, fr- I could have started this meeting with like, let's look at the last five years. Right. And in the last five years, like you're up 7% a year. If I told you five years ago that we'd be dealing with all this mess right now, we would deal with like Russia and Ukraine. We would have dealt with a pandemic and, and the elections and all that crap. But you would have averaged 7% over that time frame to date. Like, like well, yes, I'm, yeah. Or even two years ago, you'd say two years ago, we were in the middle of COVID. Lockdowns were mm-hmm. starting. To, it was incredibly uncertain. Um, the returns since then are all positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going instead of like the portfolio performance right away, I've been looking at just like cash flows. Look, like despite how much value paper on paper your accounts have lost, like five years from now, the tools that we're showing you, right, and the software that we're using, even if you use a Monte Carlo simulation, like you're okay. Yeah. Right. And it's like uh, there's so many things happening that have we have no control over. Right. So let's think about your financial plan and the impact of any of this on on you. Right. Um, and not just for the next three, six, 12 months, like you were saying, Jeff, for the next four or five, you know, 10 plus years. Hopefully that helps these people. (laughs) All of our listeners. All right. Let's move on to why you should dress up for your next flight. This was written by David Coggins of the Washington Post. Uh, He writes this piece, not trying to just convince readers to dress more formally for air travel, but also, in my opinion, to maybe insult those who do not. Um, He suggests making an effort to bring some dignity to travel. David Coggins, not David Goggins, because that's a completely different person. Did I say Goggins? No, you said Coggins. I just want to make it clear to our reader, our listeners, not David Goggins. Who's that? He's uh, like a... Goggins, that actor than... No. no, he's like a Marine. He wrote a oh, book. And oh. He's a little intense. He's an intense individual. Okay. Well, thank you for not correcting something I didn't <laughs> say. It sounds like David Coggins, excuse me, Coggins is not a guy I want to hang out with. No. I love the guy. Don't want to have a beer with this man. Certainly don't want to sit next to him on the plane. I don't understand what he's trying to do. I just, I just don't. I don't understand the point of this guy's article. I mean, he he says, let me just find it, and Meg, you'll just have to bear with you. Bear with me, and, and, and well, he definitely does not condone cursing in the workplace either. Mm-mm. I'm sure. So this is like I don't really know how to describe it. By the way. I guess is a it's a series of travel hacks and hot takes hacks that the that the Washington Post is I don't know if I get jammed in a middle seat on whatever airline and then you tell me I have to be suited up like with a suit and tie on to suit it up I'm not flying dude his my personal travel wardrobe oh yeah isn't complicated a sport coat a tie and fabrics that can handle handle some wear without getting wrinkled, such as an Oxford cloth <laughs> shirt and corduroy trousers and loafers. Easy on, easy off. And then he says, if a flight is long, I loosen the tie. Mm-hmm. 
If the flight is really long, I ditch the coat. Like, I understand his point about like airports aren't picnics. Like I, I think he was talking and 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 airplanes like, on people in sweats and stuff like that. But like that. sprawling all over. Like I, I, I agree with him there. Where like when the person next to me puts the tray down and like. They, and maybe the train next to them. and it's, it's like they're having a picnic. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, bring a little sandwich, take it out of your backpack, eat it. Like, stop spreading all over the place. I kind of get that. I can't wrap my brain around, like, planes aren't gyms. Like, ditch the sweatpants. Dude, I'm wearing sweatpants on a, on a plane. It's like back in the days. Like, the Titanic, right, had, like, a bunch of well-dressed rich people going on this maiden voyage and whatnot because it was like new and it was it was almost like a a formal event where you you were expected to dress well, flying on a plane dude anymore is it, it's been around a while right this isn't like some novelty where you got to get dressed up to get on a, a you know an american airlines flight to dallas if you were flying first class would you dress differently than if you were flying coach i'd probably wear like my good leggings <laughs> but like if they had is leggings thing is good leggings? if they had leggings when the titanic was around i bet you a million dollars that they would be wearing leggings other than bloomers like they probably would also the people in 19 whatever didn't even shower so like who cares what they're wearing they were showering like once a week so, okay, you were wearing a nice dress, but you smelled. Like, uh, this is just crazy to me. First of all, I don't know why anyone cares what anybody else does this much to write an article about it. I, if you want to dress up, yeah. go about, fine. But, like, don't shame That's what other people. It used to be that flying commercial even was kind of an upper class thing to do because they were the only, only ones who could afford it. Yeah. It's almost like he's trying to, like, bring back that mentality and and, you know, shit on people who are wearing sweats or comfortable clothes like um nothing about this article i agree with Mm -mm. i i i agree with the um this has nothing to do with this article probably (laughs) i agree with like you dress for success right like if you're like if you i remember like if you're gonna go take like a test like dress up for it like be like be prepared look the part this isn't that this is like you're literally traveling right (laughs) Comfort yeah. should be your number one concern. Yeah. I don't know why he was trying. He's trying to class up flying because there's nothing classy about it. It's mm-hmm. not a formal event like going on the Titanic. <laughs> right. I mean, there's basically a fist fight on every flight. <laughs> like, yeah. how do you think he would dress for like a SpaceX like excursion, <laughs> like a tuxedo? I mean, that's like big deal. Yeah, I under. I mean, look, everybody's got their little, their platforms that they want to stand on and things that they want to improve. And it's not this guy doesn't want climate change improved. He doesn't want, you know, to save hunger, the world hunger problem. He wants people to, you know, <laughs> look better on planes. <laughs> so I respect his efforts. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um. On to uh, this one's crazy. Did you read the whole article? I did I mean I, okay. I liked both of these topics. Like I might like 
next time I'm hanging out with people, like bring both of these up <laughs> because I think they're. I think it's good banter. Okay, he was five seven after surgery. He'll be five ten. This article from BuzzFeed uh, called Ling- "Limb Lengthening Surgery Is Becoming More Popular" um, deals with height shaming, something a lot of men unfortunately know pretty well. This article describes the experience of a man who received a leg lengthening procedure where a doctor breaks both femurs and inserts a titanium rod that slowly expands inside the body, making one permanently taller. So I have a lot of takes on this article. Okay. I want to start with as much as like the Napoleon complex exists, Mm -hmm. which is in my, in my life experience is a real thing. Yep. I've noticed it. The opposite also applies, and it's I don't I don't there's I don't think there's a name for it, but tall dudes think they're the shit. Like for what like tall men have a have a superiority complex to everyone else. Like everyone is just not as good as them because they can look down on them. That's I've noticed that as well, hmm. and I think it's just as big of of a problem as like the Napoleon complex. So you're you're speaking to the attitudes of the people, of the men, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. Like how shorter men act versus how long, taller men act. Correct. Okay. And then there's the everybody else, right? It, or, or women. The average I guess, people. Is like, well, no, it's like it's it's the perspective. It, it's what women think of tall men versus sure, sure. short men. So there's and that's another yeah, whole another angle piece of the pie. This guy. That's the subject of the article. Mm-hmm. I get that you're short, man, but like going on walks in the morning crying? Like, do you have no other like valuable personality traits? Like, can you be, can, are you funny? Are you a good listener? Like, I think, I think there's a bigger issue with this, with this man that this article was written about than his height. Yeah. I, 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 I thought the same thing when I read that part. Um, but, like short shaming, which mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the focus of the article, and for I'll say short men, has to do with the dating scene, and yeah. they're they're getting ridiculed, or you know every interaction they have seems to be about well you're you're too short for me, or you're short, and they they insult you or whatever, and the culmination of that results in him getting his femurs broken and three <laughs> inches added to his his. His height, crazy, which dude. is an extreme because, like, it seems to me like sports are out of the question for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, it's. It, I am, am inferred that from what when they were talking about the recovery and all of that. So you definitely pay a price, not just in the the procedure and the the rehab, but I think there's activities that are off the table for you if you do this. And I guess for some people, maybe that's worth it, but. Back to short shaming. It's a real thing. And I, I know because my son is, he's dealt with it. He deals with it yeah. every day. Um, his, it's probably his number one complaint about his life. Mm-hmm. Really? That, yeah. Is that he's constantly being uh, critiqued for how short he is. Um, so it's a, and it's a real thing. And I blame, I blame the, 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 women. the short shamers. I mean, men it's or, like how men and women. Men and women, and how is that? You know, that's that's as bad, if not worse, than fat shaming, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you could argue, weight. you could argue that you know certain overweight people can do something about it sure. that doesn't involve breaking your legs. Um, so I don't know. I think it's 
I think I, to your point, yes, he's got other issues because he's literally unable to function without crying, having a meltdown. Um, but it's not social media has only made it worse. Sure, of course, <laughs> we say that every every pop. every article, right? Every pop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I never even like paid attention to it. Now I I probably went through a lot of my life with blinders on, and I'm very <laughs> self absorbed, <laughs> but. It wasn't until like I started dating my wife that I, she was she's a short shaver. <laughs> like she does it. She like I'm not a tall guy, I'm an average height, but she's attracted to tall men, mm-hmm. and she like is like turned off by short men. Like, and she was verbal about it. I'm like, oh my god, that's like a thing. She's like, oh yeah, women don't like short men. I'm like, really? Meanwhile, she meets my best friend, two of my best friends who are married, and. Like my buddy Dave is short. He married his wife, who's got like a foot on him, but he's like an awesome guy, right. right? He's a funny guy. He's a nice guy. Like when it comes down to it, I would imagine Will. When it comes down to it, if he's a good person, he's going to land a good person. It's that dating scene that makes right. it tough. It's 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 way different how people are meeting people now in the yeah. first in, impression. Like your dating profile literally has your height on it. Mm-hmm. Like you can choose to omit it on certain apps. Like you can choose not to display it. And then, you know, you, you see a picture of someone sitting down five times. You're like, okay, they're probably shorter. I mean, it's it, it makes it far more difficult because I can't tell you how many of my friends, and I'd like to say it's not me, but I, I, I don't know if I could say that honestly. Like, how many of my friends, like, won't engage with somebody who on a dating app is, you know, 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, and I don't have tall friends. I mean, I have some tall friends, but I don't have, like, very tall friends. Yeah, and this isn't in the article, but Jeff, to your point about tall people, tall men, let's say, there's been plenty written and talked about where, you know, tall people are on average make more money. They have, yeah. you know, I think it's said more jobs. likely to be CEOs in yeah. here or okay. something. Yeah. 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 And so, like, that's, that's real. Um, it's obviously not, shouldn't be relevant or right, but it is. It did. It's, I mean, we got to get over it. Like, and, and pretty people are celebrities. Like, okay. I'm I'm not like crying every morning because I'm not a celebrity and I'm not pretty. Like I don't know. Have other qualities that make you you. And I don't I haven't dated in a long time, but like you know, on your profile, like can't you can't you say five seven, but I'm way cooler than everyone who's six one? <laughs> like can't you like add some humor to try to like get sure. someone to have a second take at you? Yeah, you can absolutely like five eight, do that. but I'm a, I, I love better than most six four men. Like, <laughs> can't you add something to like show that there, you got more? You can, but you're a forty five year old married guy who's far more secure in himself than the seventeen to twenty four year old, twenty five year old dude. I mean, right? And I think your buddy Dave is that all comes down to whether your personality can handle mm-hmm. whatever shortcomings you have. Dude, I don't, can we say that? <laughs> no, I mean, like, you're just your physical appearance, whatever yeah. it is. Like, maybe maybe you're, you're like, obsessed because you're, you're bald and you're yeah. out of hair, whatever, yeah, whatever it is. But, uh, so I think, but there's obviously a ton of dudes who can't get past it. And yeah. they feel like that's the root of all of their 
issues in life. Yeah, and it's and they you, end up getting their legs broken. Yeah, you just brought like the ball thing. It's like, look, we all have. Everyone has insecurities. Yeah, it's how you are able to deal with them and handle them, and and still carry yourself with confidence. Like whether you're bald, you know, there were kids bald in high school, dude. Like they're they're married now. I mean, they they figured it out. You know, you just got to carry yourself with some confidence. Well, we're also not speaking. We shouldn't speak of this as if being in a relationship or being married or being validated by others is the ultimate goal either. Right. Like it's You're right. right. Self mm-hmm. um, kind of acceptance. Worth. Yeah. And yeah. acceptance. Um, and I, I think that's also, again, I think it's experience, life experience. I just think it will the young kids age, even like the, those insecurities just feel so much bigger because you haven't, met experienced or seen other kind of walks of life like you've been around the same group of humans for a long time and i think when you meet and talk to other people there's far less of maybe the shamers yeah or you gravitate towards people who aren't that way it's just time yeah well i mean hey look there's a solution now right like i could have got a nose job like 20 (laughs) years ago you know like there's solutions now yeah there's also like a phenomenon, if we want to call it that, of short kings. So this is like a social media thing that's trying to basically c- counter the the short shamers by like Tom Holland, for example, mm-hmm. right? Gotcha. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, who's dating Zendaya, who's a smoke and probably a foot taller than him. Right. He is what they've labeled a short king. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I like where it's going. <laughs> I like where it's going. <laughs> so would you ever endorse the uh, leg lengthening surgery for, let's say, one of your kids who, who wanted it? Or for a friend? Let's, just anyone who was asking your opinion. If I didn't get that far in the article or I didn't, I didn't glean from it, that like, it, it, it stops you from physical activity. If that if you can have three inches added to your legs and you don't look really weird because your your bottom half is so much longer than your top half and it doesn't inhibit your ability for physical activity, I'd say absolutely. I'd consider it. But if you like you, you can't run, you can't play sports, you can't go swimming, uh, no, it's not worth that. It's not worth activity, in my opinion. Even with risks that clear it's a it's a significant surgery. You're, you got to be on blood thinners because of risk of blood clots. There's your antibiotics immediately. It's a massive physical rehab process. That's pretty much the standard for all big surgeries. Yeah, yeah antibiotics, true. blood thinners, because there's blood clots and there's infection. But then if three months later, six months later, eight months later, a year later, you're pretty much not restricted. Hell yeah, man. You got to, Will's got another 80 years on this planet, dude. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. My initial reaction was I'd try to discourage it only because yeah. to me, someone who doesn't deal with this, it seems, There'll I don't want to say else. silly. I, I just feel, like, yeah. Yeah, it, I feel like I felt the same way. Like it's just, there'll be something else that you're you're obsessing about that's that's causing all of your anxiety, yeah. even though you're now 5'10". Maybe, maybe not. Like women get breast reductions. Women get breast augmentations. People get facelifts i mean and it makes them feel better for however long i don't know yeah and maybe they have other things that oh well now my butt's too big let me get that sucked out like i don't know but 
the, the fact that you can fix it, quote unquote, have at it, man, do it. As long as it's not going to have like any real long-term negative effects to you, right? Like breast augmentation, like now that like shit was like leaking and like causing <laughs> cancer and things like that. Like that's like, that's a no, that's like a flat out no, right? Where are your sources? <laughs> Wait, you've never heard of like back right, in the bad day, implants. bad implants. Yeah. I'm not making that stuff up. I mean, I didn't realize they would like leakage. leakage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would be, I would, would not discourage someone from doing something that wouldn't harm them in the long run and would give and would make them feel more self-confident. Absolutely do it. All right. Move on to the top five which I hope is not too redundant from a previous top five. I, I, I went off the brand a little bit because I mistakenly thought, go ahead, tell, say what the top five The is. top five is shocking movie scenes. Okay. I, I kind of forgot the, the shocking part, and I just kind of went more with like crazy movie favorite scenes. Okay. So, okay. So mine not, might not be very shocking is what I'm saying. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, okay, I guess you're just like... Go ahead. Um, Number five for me was maybe not super shocking, but I, I mean, I was shocked. Um, <laughs> like other people, like what I mean by that is I don't like try to think about what's going to happen in a movie. Yes. I okay. just, Fair. I just watch it. And then when it happens, I'm like, oh my God. Meanwhile, uh, everyone else was like, everyone's like yeah, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That I, I just, it was my last one. I didn't have enough time to, to find out, to find out the name of the movie. I forget the name of the movie. It was the Clint Eastwood movie where he teaches a girl how to box. That's on mine. What's it called? Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, Million Dollar Baby. And when she yeah, breaks her neck. Yeah, I mean that was like spoilers. I was, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> I was totally shocked. I didn't see it coming. Uh, so, I would. I, I would think that. I don't think many people predicted okay, right. that. Yeah. Uh, number four for me was um, the Usual Suspects, the Kaiser Soze reveal, mm-hmm. like who Kaiser Soze mm-hmm. was. Number three is the reservoir dog ear scene. Yeah, I thought about that one. I've never seen that. Oof, it's a toughie. Dude cuts off another guy's ear. Ugh. Yeah, not good. And like you, you, you knew he was going to torture this guy. You just didn't know. And it's a long scene, and it's pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. Number two for me, and I so I try to keep away from death, but it was like the most shocking scene. Sorry, it's probably on your list. Was Ricky's death and. Boys, boys in the or yeah, boys in the. It's not on mine. You've, okay, I've never seen that. Oh my god, really? Yeah. You yeah, bring Ricky, that up like every other pod. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky's death was just a shocker, and just it, like it set me back years. I was depressed for a long time. Um, and then number one for me is um, Luke Skywalker losing his hand to Darth Vader. Didn't see it coming. I thought you were going to use another one. Now, there's a lot of Star Wars, by the way. <laughs> If you think about it. So those those are my five. So how old were you when you saw that? I don't know, like four, yeah, five maybe. I was I was, I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you saw the hand getting chopped off coming? No, probably not, but like maybe like yeah, like Darth may get him, may kill him, but like the, losing the hand? And I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> Lightsaber falls through the to the ground. All right, I'll go. Again, not not necessarily shocking. Um, I've got the Saving Private Ryan beach scene. Yep. Storming the beach. Pretty shocking, though, but 
like in terms of like intense all time scenes. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually kind of the opposite of shocking considering it's historical. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to stay away from factual scenes. <laughs> um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Never saw mm-hmm. that. Oh, it's so good. There's like multiple there, but the, just the one where the Hans character is like mm-hmm. in the house and they're all hiding underneath the floorboards. Great scene. Mm-hmm. He's so good in that. Mm-hmm. I got... I got Pulp Fiction, the Samuel Jackson, um, where he goes on the tirade. Yep. Early okay. on in the movie. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. One of my faves. Are there any other Pulp Fiction scenes um, that you guys have? Uh-uh. I mean, I thought of some others, but I didn't use them. What about the one where Marcellus gets, like, abused? Um, Marcellus. Mi- 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 no, I'm sorry. It's not Marcellus. It's the other guy. Um, the, is it the dude from the Green Mile? What's his name? Oh, the big dude? Yeah, yeah. Where he got, like, ball gagged and all that oh. kind of stuff. Like, didn't, like, he was a badass, and then he just gets, like, tortured. Yeah. I think he was Marcellus. I think he did play him, right? Okay. Um, I got the scene in Jaws where, where Quint gets killed i guess mm-hmm. okay eaten. Mm-hmm. yeah good one um especially because i think i saw it in the theater i was like seven. Oh my mm. god seven? yeah or maybe nine i don't know <laughs> Still. Um, and then anytime you're talking about like best all-time scenes even it's not not shocking although it kind of was the the christopher walk and dennis hopper scene from true romance yeah all, all time yeah, so you definitely went with a different top yeah, five than I'm we off, did. I'm you went with top, <laughs> we had, off the board a little bit. Well, we talked about top five I like forgot best shocking. movie scenes. We've done that before, <laughs> and yours were completely different. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So, this my number five is not necessarily shocking, but I was trying to be creative. Um. Have you guys seen the breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn? I know I've seen it. I just don't remember it. So it's like it's a it's a romantic comedy where like they break up and then the whole time you're like they're going to get back together and they just don't. And it's like (laughs) this incredibly like unfulfilling ending because it's all of this build up and then it's like they're done. They're Uh, they're broken up. Yeah. 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 I had Million Dollar Baby. Um, I had I mean, we. I think I use this as the example. Seven when mm-hmm. the uh, box the box what's in the box um so i have a lot of death also mufasa dying in lion king it was shocking was pretty shocking especially as a child so early <laughs> in the movie too like that's yeah. what the movie's based on yeah. you had no idea yeah and then um you guys have seen the departed i'm assuming the yeah, like last yeah, yeah, the elevator 10 minutes where everybody just shoots yeah. everybody yeah, I mean, you guys repeated a lot of our top five movie deaths. I don't think I used any of those in deaths. You definitely used it Departed. I know you did. Go to the, go to the tapes. I tried to find the tapes, and I couldn't. <laughs> All right, well. I think I win that one. <laughs> Mine were the only default. ones that were shocking. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hey, listening. Yep. See you next time. <laughs>